0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? podlet. It is just coming up to 2 o'clock in the morning here in New York, and not that long ago all the tennis finished, which is pretty remarkable really. Um, It was only really by good fortune that Bianca Andreescu and Beatrice Hadamaya got on before midnight at all, but they did, uh, thanks to a late running schedule and some slightly insane scheduling that also involved them cancelling several of the late night buses which is part of the reason why I got home quite so late. This won't be a long one, I'll tell you right now, uh partly because I want to get to bed and because I want to get it in your feeds before you all get to work. And as I speak, lots of people in the UK are already up for and frankly at work, so I might keep it relatively brief. There were lots of things to talk about today. Um it started, and it feels to me like about four days ago that it started for me uh, on Arthur Ashe with Andy Murray against Emilio Nava, which is a really remarkable match actually because the first set was eighty four minutes, which it wasn't particularly humid it wasn't particularly slow it was hot admittedly, but there was a storm on Tuesday night, and that cleared a lot of the humidity it was down from like sixty five percent to about thirty percent but you know Emilio Nava played well in that first set he moved really well he's quick around the court and you know Murray said afterwards that Mark Petchy had told him that Nava in that first set was hitting forehand numbers that would have put him in the top three on tour uh, and similarly was serving at levels that would put him in that kind of bracket as well so Nava played a really high level and Probably deserved to shade the first set. Murray had about eight break point opportunities that he failed to take, and you know he said afterwards he would take that back. Obviously, um, but he also said offers that he changed things a bit after the first set and started to step up a bit more and um, get into the court and dictate the rallies a bit more, and it worked because he then won three sets for the loss of just four games. So it was this weird topsy turvy match. We had now in an 24 minutes of grind, and it really was grind you know, there, there were long games and long points, and then sort of hour and 40 minutes of just Murray playing elite tennis against a guy who, I mean, Emilio never will go a long way, I think he's got the attitude and, and he's a decent player, he he thinks an awful lot of himself, I'm reliably informed, but um, yeah, Murray is a three-time Grand Slam champion and he, he put him away, um, he was really pleased afterwards with his physicality, he said he, his body held up to it really well and you know we know how much handy is trying to make sure that that's as high as it can be in terms of level his his physicality and i think i think that's fair um i think it's fair to say it was tonight so yeah very impressive um it wasn't the only close match on show actually of all the men's matches today only two went in straight sets which is pretty remarkable when you consider it's a second round day um one of those straight sets victories was Jack Draper over Felix Auger Aliassime the last match I watched tonight at least live um, incredible Jack Draper he's now going to be ranked just inside the top 50 this time last year he was 270 in the world he hadn't won any challenger titles he was just starting that journey now he's inside the top 50 he's beaten the number 6 seed Felix Auger Aliassime four, six four, and he is into the third round to play Karen Hatchinoff now I should preface all of this by saying that I did think Felix Auger-Aliassime was a really good match-up. And if you are subscribed to the Inside Tennis newsletter, which you can do through inews.co.uk, just head over to the tennis section, you'll see lots of banners um, advertising the, the tennis newsletter that I write for, for the Eye. And if you read that, you'd have seen that I'd picked that as the, the match of the day to watch and potentially the upset of the day as well. Because it was a really good matchup for Jack. You know, Felix hasn't got the best backhand in the world. He is a good mover and very physical, but Jack thinks his physicality is on a level with that now, so you kind of take that weapon away, if you like. And Felix isn't a great returner. And Jack's an elite server. Big lefty serve, big forehand. And to be honest, the difference that I saw today that I hadn't seen before was, and Mike Dixon in the mail said it, and it triggered a lot of things in my head, his rally ball was so consistent and rock solid, and it just gave Felix so few opportunities to tee off in the way that he can. And I know that Felix Osgerali Seam has has previous at this stage of Grand Slams and he hasn't been able to produce his best, you know, in, in the biggest tournaments. But it's nevertheless a huge boost for Jack to go out and do that and do it in such comprehensive style. And it was his first time playing on a stadium court in New York as well. And that's difficult. You know, for people who haven't watched tennis over in the States before, it, it's a very different experience. It's noisy. People are getting up. I mean, Jack said afterwards, he said he was, you know, he'd never seen someone like they did today get up out of their seat and walk off as he was hitting a forehand. And that's a real challenge if you've not done before. You know, Felix Auger essim has played in North America lots. And at the US Open lots, Jack really hasn't. And he wasn't on a stadium court for his first round match. Um, and he was for this one. And I'm sure when he plays Hatchinoff, he'll be on a decent court again. So he's getting used to that. But he did say afterwards, I asked him about it. And he did sort of say, look, the crowds are great here, but it was weird. Um, and it was noisy. So he'll go on to play Hatchinoff, who thrashed Cam Norrie at the French. I know Draper and Norrie have trained together a lot and they hang out together. Their lockers are next to each other in the locker room. So um, I'm sure they all discuss it at some point. Excuse me. Um, the other match, and you're probably surprised I didn't talk about it first, but I thought I'd give you a little build-up that has to be spoken about, is Serena Williams against the Net Contabite. Um There's so much that went on in this match. It's hard to know where to start. The first thing to say is that the atmosphere was absolutely electric, as you'd expect. It it was insane. I couldn't quite believe that they could replicate what happened on Monday, but they did. What they also replicated were the two montages, one at the beginning and one at the end, which were just recycled. And, you know, I kind of thought the Monday thing was fine because you don't know how many matches you're going to get out of her, and if you want to do a big, you know, farewell ceremony, it's absolutely right, you do it on the Monday. But then I think you should just treat every other match as a relatively normal one. And say, well, okay, you've had your farewell. Now let's see what tennis you can play. And once again, uh, ConteVate walked out, was announced, sat down, and then had to wait two minutes while there was a Queen Latifah voiceover played, which quite a lot of us had seen already. So I think that's pretty unfair you know i pre- look i appreciate serena's an exceptional player and the greatest of all time and this is her farewell but after a point you know if she gets to the final and quite frankly i'm not ruling it out for reasons i'll explain later but if you know if she gets to the final they're really going to give it such a sort of one-sided build up i, I think they've really got to start fair, being more fair to to the women who are coming out and trying to beat her um and to give an et as much credit as I possibly can because she deserves it. Vate, I'm sorry. We'll try and keep saying that right. I thought she did brilliantly. The, she only really went away in the last game when she was broken pretty comfortably, and it, you know, you could see that the writing was on the wall. She was already five-two down the set, and it, it just it got a bit much. But for the rest of the match, she played brilliantly. I thought um, she played a great first set. It was really tight. Um, she broke back as soon as she was broken they went to a tie break it was on serve, both women served brilliantly in the tie break and contavite just missed a drop shot uh, into the net and, and that was it really it was literally a mini break, decided it and yeah, you, f- you feel sorry for her but that's that's tennis I'm afraid, you, you've got to play clutch in tie breaks and Serena did and Serena served brilliantly all night but then contavite comes out and wins the first three games of the second set and takes a commanding lead and, and levels it pretty quickly, like 35 minutes for that second set, and and takes it to a decider. And like I said, look, Serena played brilliantly. She served extremely well. Um, her second serve was still a bit ropey, but nowhere near as bad as it was against Kovinic when she hit about nine double faults. Um, she moved pretty well for Serena. She struck the forehand brilliantly. And, yeah, even her defense is pretty good. So, I mean, good luck to Isla Tomlanovic stopping her on Friday night. I mean, because it will be night. I'm sure of it. It's not out yet, but it will be. Friday night, under the lights, 25,000 people all screaming Serena's name. You know, and and this is what actually annoyed me. And I know New York crowds are rowdy, and that's fine. But, like, you know, cheering double faults cheering missed first serves you know, despite Alison Hughes desperately trying to tell them to stop um, calling out during points literally calling out during points um, I mean, yeah uh, Conservate broke down in her the Estonian part of her press conference saying something like um, I'm not ashamed to lose to Serena it was really difficult with the crowd and then she just broke down I mean, yeah, it's obviously an incredibly intense atmosphere out there and it it could just be an outpouring of emotion and, and maybe she'll explain herself later on but I felt really sorry for her. I think she deserved more than that to be quite frank um, and Ila Tomlianovic is going to have to steal herself for that. Now, I, d- I don't doubt that Tomlianovic can do it. She obviously played Raducanu at Wimbledon uh, last year in the fourth round which was pretty febrile atmosphere in, in number one with the roof closed and had been waiting around all day. And obviously, she only had to play a set of it because we were kind of retired with those breathing difficulties. But yeah, maybe she'll be able to deal with it. Look, Serena's probably favourite for that match. And then she either plays Alexander Krunic or Ludmila Samsonova, both of whom beat Seeds today. And... Hell, I mean, I think you make a favour against either of those, and then all of a sudden she's in a quarterfinal against Jabur or Shelby Rogers or Kudamatova, you think she wins that. And then we get a semi-final against maybe Coco Goff if she gets that far. And, and my feeling is that the best result here, because, look, it would be amazing if Serena won this US Open, and I'm not ruling it out, but I don't know how good it would be for women's tennis for Serena to win this US Open. So for me... The dream, I think, is that she faces Coco Goff her kind of natural successor in 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 game style, and activism, in civil leadership, and superstardom. Is I think the ideal scenario is that they play in the semi-finals, and that Coco Goff wins a really good match, because well, the TV numbers for that would be completely insane, and it would elevate Coco Goff stardom to a whole new level. So. I think that's the answer to the question of what is the ideal scenario in the bottom half of the draw. Um, because, as well, I say as usual, but again, it's fallen apart. apart. Um, there are number three seed, Maria Sakari, is out. Uh, I asked Vicky, our good friend who is a journalist from Greece, who's not had a great week because Stefanos Sitsipas went out in the first round and now Sakari's gone out in the second round. She just said she didn't play very well um Chi Yu Wang uh, Wang Yu sorry is a very decent player but yeah i mean scary would expect to win that she's the number 3 seed um but yeah fascinating to see what happens with serena now um she's playing doubles on thursday night of course with venus against um lucy Hredetska who actually beat serena and venus in 2013 at the us open and then won the title it's quite impressive and uh, Linda noskova who uh, actually wasn't born when Serena and Venus started winning doubles titles so um, 20 years apart those two Czech girls and this is probably the biggest well certainly the biggest match of Noskova's life uh, Kredetska might have something else to say about that given her long and storied doubles career I suppose on that note we should move on to Thursday and, and what is to come and and the biggest matches is there um, I think it's a slightly quiet day um, Rafa Nadal is playing Fabio Fanini in the very, very late game which I think will be too late for most people in the UK to watch because it will be about 2am um, after the doubles on Ash I mean, Fanini obviously has a record of having beaten Nadal in the past, but um, not much real hope, I think uh, It's a big day for the Brits Dan Evans and Cam Norrie both playing Evans against Duckworth, Norrie against Souza both matches you'd expect them to win and make the fourth, the third round if they do, it'll be four British men through to the third round for what we think is the first time since the 1970s. We haven't had the statisticians te- check that yet, but it'll be a long time, I would think. Um, Sean taking against Sloane Stevens has, has potential to be a decent match as well. It's also got potential to be a, bit of a stinker, so um, kind of wait and see on that one. If you're looking for a sort of rogue entertaining match, I would suggest either Potapova zhang two up-and-comers, or maybe Putin-Saver-Nimeyer. Everyone knows how much I like Hul Niemeyer. She hits a massive ball. Um, big serve anyway. Um Putin Sabev has some really good results. I mean Corne is not a bad match either. The upset of the day for me is Linda Fruvatova against Garbinia Muguruza. We know how difficult a year Muguruza has had. And Fruvitova is a Czech teenager, which basically means she's automatically excellent. She won the Le Pétiers. Um, which is a a prestigious juniors tournament. She was the world number junior two, I think, last year. And she's now... I mean, she had a run to the fourth round of Miami where she beat, like, Kovenich, Mertens and someone else, and Azarenka, but Azarenka retired from that match in a bit of a weird one. Um, I haven't listened to her podcast yet, but I'm reliably informed it explains everything. Um, So, yeah, that's my kind of upset pick, so it might be worth watching for, for that. Um, I don't know how, how many other matches I will necessarily watch tomorrow. Um, it's a quiet evening. It might be one way to try and get an early dart after such a late dart this evening. Oh, and speaking of dart, Harriet Dart was in action today. Uh, she lost to Dal McGalphy, which was such a winnable match on paper. Harriet played nowhere near the level that she knows she can. If she'd won, she would have become British number 1, overtaking Emeril Canu, which is pretty crazy um but yeah she didn't play well she lost in straight sets and yeah she came into press afterwards and just it all came flooding out and she pretty much the first word she said was a sort of sob and then we gave her a minute and she we said do you do you want to carry on and she said yeah yeah i do and credit to her she got herself together and talked it out and Talked about how she played a lot of new tournaments this year, and you know she's newly inside the top 100. So they've obviously had a different schedule, and and she feels pretty burnt out, I think. So um, yeah, it, I felt dreadfully sorry for her. A big learning experience this summer, you know, in terms of how many tournaments she can cope with, and and what a schedule that works for her looks like. Um, she's not won a lot of matches this summer since Wimbledon, and you know that's obviously not what you want to be doing uh so yeah did feel quite sorry for her and uh, if you're listening Harriet which you may maybe I don't know um you know you've done yourself really proud you got through to the second round of the US open for the first time and yeah we all have bad days at the office and um, you'll have plenty of good days at the office so yeah um a bit of a, a low note to end on but uh, overall a magical day at the US open thursday there's a lot on there that could be exciting as well and there's lots of British prospects that are definitely worth looking out for. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.